Well, we're in the middle of a, a, a sermon series called Timing, Timing. Uh, the title of my message today is Bad Timing, Bad Timing. How many struggle with timing? Um, some of you are struggling this morning, clapping in time, singing in time, dancing in time. Uh, bad timing can create a whole lot of mess. In fact, when there's bad timing, things can also get a little bit awkward. Um, sometimes bad timing also can bring about a lot of hurt and pain. And I want to say right at the outset, Mother's Day for some people reminds them of loss. And this doesn't come at a good time just because of surrounding events around people's lives. And I, I want to acknowledge that today and I want to thank you for coming out. And I also want to say that God wants to move in that space. But to all the women out there, we want you to feel special today because it is your day. And our bad timing would be to say Happy Mother's Day on Monday. Uh, so while you've got the opportunity, why don't you text uh, somebody who's made a difference, a woman who's made a difference in your life today. Uh, today, I feel, uh, I've got to be honest, a little bit unqualified to speak on this. First, I'm not a woman, not a mom. Um, I has, have a house full of females, uh, which is very dangerous. I have an amazing wife, mom, and daughters. Uh, but when it comes to speaking, I've found what does qualify me is the Word of God. Uh, God's Word qualifies me. And when it comes to God's Word, God's Word's a little bit like a mirror. How many like mirrors? Uh, a lot of people have love-hate relationships with mirrors. Uh, they can be really uh, revealing, but mirrors... Uh, a lot of people today, if they want to see what they look like, they don't use a mirror. They use a camera on their phone. It's just the whole. And I found good photographers, they're always uh, about angles. It's always about angles. You know somebody who's really good at photography because they go, no, don't take it from there. Take it from down here. And you see people crouching. And you see people in different positions because they're all about getting the right angle. When it comes to the Word of God, I want to say it is so important that we look at things from different angles. And this morning, I want to look at a story that's well known, but I want to look at it from a different angle. And one thing, as I said, the Bible is a mirror, but it's not just a one-dimensional mirror. How many have looked in the mirror and thought, man, I look good. I need to go out and find uh, somebody took a photograph of you from a side angle. And you look good front on, but you didn't look so good side on. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you've been there before. It's like, you know, a mirror, you know, only gives you one, one side. You can't see uh, what's behind. But the, the, the Word of God gives you a three-dimensional view of yourself. And so we're going to look at a story that has quite a bit of drama in it. It's a long passage of Scripture, and there's some ooh-ah moments. It's, ooh, did that happen? Ah, oh. And so let's go in our Bible. Let's go in our Bible to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29, and we're going to be reading from verse 9. It says, while he was still talking to them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherd. And when Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well. Now, uh, you've got to hear me. Uh, Jacob was a mama's boy. He normally wouldn't do things like this. But he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and, and watered his uncle's sheep. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. Uh, you know, if somebody kisses you and then starts crying, you've got to wonder what's going on there. <laughs> but it says, and he told Rachel that he was a relative of her, of her father and son of Rebekah. So, so he ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister, 
his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him and brought him home to his house. And there Jacob told him all these things. Then Laban said to him, you are my own flesh and blood. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, just because you're a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages shall be. Now Laban had two daughters. One, the name, was, the name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. How I many know that's love? To work seven years. I'll work for seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, It's better that I give her to you, to you than some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed only like a few days to him. Because of his love for her. Then Jacob, uh, Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is complete and I want to make love to her. She said, whoa. Yeah, it's like, whoa. <laughs> He's very keen. He's very forward. Uh, so Laban brought together all the people of their place, gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zephyr to his daughter as his attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this that you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Have you deceived me? And Laban replied, it's not our custom to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week. Then I'll give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. Yeah, there's some ooh-ah moments in here. As I said, there's a lot of drama going on in the story. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant that name to, to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. And Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. But when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Right now, God, I pray that you'd help me unpack this story in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Many people have read this story through the lens of Jacob. Jacob, you know, Jacob, the schemer who gets schemed. You know, schemed by Laban. What happens prior to this, Jacob has an encounter with God, and then God leads him back into a situation that he's just run from. It's like different people, same dynamics. Different packaging, same issues are going on right here. What he did to his brother, Esau, if you know the story, Laban is doing to him. And it's Laban the liar, Laban the miser, Laban the, the father of two beautiful daughters, Leah and Rachel. But today we're not gonna look at the story through the lens of Jacob. We're actually gonna look at the story through the lens of Leah and Rachel. Well, more in particular, Leah. We're going to look at her story because this is a person who's often overlooked. And when it comes to her situation, talk about bad timing. 
You know, there's a whole lot of bad timing. There's a whole lot of hurt. There's a whole lot of pain in the story. But these two women are central to what goes on here. And the first time, the first time Jacob comes across Rachel and lays on on eyes on her, he was gone. You know, the time it takes for a guy to notice a woman is about half the time it takes a girl to notice a guy. I just want to say that. You know, as like girls think, oh, well, I noticed, uh, he hasn't noticed me. No, he noticed you this moment you walked into the room. And, and, and Jacob saw this woman from a distance. And, and as a result of this, he, he, normally it'll take a whole lot of shepherds to remove a stone from a well, but he did it by himself. He went from mama's boy to he-man overnight. He was no outdoors guy, but he suddenly turned into one. And he, he kissed her, greeted her, and as I said, he began to cry. And here, he was prepared. He loved her so much. He was prepared to do double the amount of time necessary to get her hand in marriage. Get this, verse 20. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but, her, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. Some people in this room have been married for some years. But you love your wife so much, it seems like just a few days. I don't get an amen on that one. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, 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 some of us right now in this room are saying, well, nobody will do that for me. The question we're going to ask ourselves is, what are we worthy of? What are you worthy of? What are you, what's your worth? I love First Peter chapter 1, verse 18. It says, for you know that it's not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you're redeemed from the empty way, life, uh, empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. It's like, you know, money, silver and gold, that has some value. But you weren't purchased with perishable things, but, but with the precious blood of Christ, the lamb without blemish or defect. How much is something worth? What's something worth? What's it's worth is whatever somebody is prepared to pay. What's your worth? What are you worth? You're worthy. You've got to hear me this morning. You're worthy of the precious blood of Jesus. You're worth a whole lot. For a lot of people today, they're trying to find their worth in many different things, from affirmation. You know, if I, I, I feel affirmed, I feel encouraged, encouraged, I feel worthwhile. You know, a lot of people, you know, find their worth from how they look. You know, I, I look this way, and if I feel good about how I look, then, then I feel like I've got a high self-worth. Uh, a lot of people can find their worth from parents, from a spouse. But I want to say our true worth as a person is found in Jesus. Yeah, you can't get that worth from a career, from accomplishments, from any measure of success. Your worth is found in the fact that Jesus was prepared to die for you, take your place, so that you might have full access to God's plan and purpose for your life. How many are thankful for that today? Come on, I reckon God deserves a big clap of praise right now. Now, the story is really interesting because when it comes to Jacob and if you read prior to this Esau, you, you find out that they were defined by their labor. By their labor. It, it, it talks, the Bible talks of Esau, that he was a long-range hunter. That's what he did. It talks of Jacob, that he was a close-to-home shepherd. But when it comes to describing Leah and Rachel, 
It's a little bit different. In verse 17, it says, Leah looked rather plain. Or some version says she has weak eyes. But Rachel, but Rachel, she was lovely in form and appearance. Other versions say she was beautiful. Right there. See, we all, if we're to be honest, have a few Rachels. Then next to them, we feel rather plain. You know, every woman, no matter how beautiful they are, has a Rachel. I found in life, even Rachels have Rachels. You know, you went to school with a Rachel, you worked with a Rachel, you know, the one who got the most attention. You know, the girl that you love to hate, but you also wanted to be their twin. You know, you glance at them or, you know, somebody else, if a guy's comparing it, it's like, oh man, they just got it all together. They're flawless. And every woman has a Rachel that they compare themselves to. And next to them, they, they can feel like, oh, I'm just a plain Leah. I'm just a plain Leah. See, see, Leah was overlooked in the story. Leah was even introduced late in the piece. She, she was there all along, but she was never noticed. She was in the background until, until what? Until that night. The night of the wedding. Talk about bad timing. It was supposed to be Rachel. But as it says in verse 23, but that night when it was dark, I want to say this. Uh, we, we all know that Laban was involved in this because it was always about Laban. Laban was manipulating things. He was using his daughters as pawns so he could get what he wanted. We don't know how much Leah was involved but she must have played a part. I, I want to stop right here and say, the answer to the desires of your heart are never found in the dark. The answers to your heart are never found in the dark. When it was dark, I want to say the answer to your loneliness, the answer to the fact that you may have missed out, you may have been overlooked, the answer to your loss, your grief, your pain, your hurt, the answers to those things, the healing that you need to experience, they're never found in the dark. In fact, if you want to see the desires of your heart satisfied, I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 37 verse 4. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Stupid always happens in the dark. Ain't that true? Case in point. What made people think this was ever going to work out? You know, Leah sneaking into the tent and trying to be Rachel. Did anyone think of the morning after? Did, did anybody think, oh, how's this going to work out when, when Jacob realizes it's not Rachel? How could Laban do this to Leah? How could he do that? Because when Jacob, uh, Jacob awoke and found out it was Leah, what happened is he went into a fit of rage. We have to ask ourselves the question, did Laban make a promise to Leah that only Jacob could fulfill? Uh, sometimes we're looking to the wrong thing. And this was always going to happen. Why? Why was it always going to happen? Because Jacob loved Rachel. He was a lover with Rachel. Talk about a honeymoon from hell. Honeymoon from hell. You know, you've got a bitter bridegroom who doesn't want to be there. You've got a devastated bride. Just imagine that. 
right there. And what you got is you got a grieving sister and you think you've got drama. There's a lot of drama there. Jacob loved Rachel for seven years, seven years. It wasn't like he was about to stop loving her. And there was no record of Jacob even noticing Leah until the night she slipped into the bed. But even then he didn't notice her. Yeah, Laban conned Jacob into working for another seven years. Yes, this is all in the Bible, <laughs> just in case you think I'm making it up. But he conned her then to, to work another, um, another seven years. First seven seemed like a few days. Second seven and dragged on. But listen to verse 30. It says, so Jacob slept with Rachel too, and he loved her much more than Leah. He loved her much more than Leah. He stayed and worked for Laban an additional seven years. And here we see in the story, we see Leah, who's unloved and unwanted. Have you ever felt unloved? Maybe you're single in this place and you haven't found the desire of your heart yet. Or maybe you love somebody and they didn't love you back. Or maybe you're married, but you can suddenly feel emotionally neglected and overlooked. Or maybe you're here and just relationally, things have just been hard. You just don't feel like you connect. Or maybe right now you're just in the midst of a trying situation, a circumstance, and you want somebody, you want to just talk to somebody who can listen and understand. See, in some measure, there's a layer inside all of us. There's a, there's a Leah who lives with re regret. You know, where it goes, oh, if, if only I'd refused. If only I'd revealed myself to Jacob. If, if only I'd run away rather than walking into that tent. See, we all can live with regrets. But I wanna say, I want you to take comfort today. Because yes, Leah was unloved by Jacob. But she was dearly loved by God. And I want you to look at verse 31. It says, when the Lord saw Leah was unloved. I want to say nothing escapes his gaze this morning. And the hardest thing to believe when you're suffering is, is whether there's anybody noticing at all. Does anybody right now notice what I'm going through? Does anybody see the pain in my heart? And it says, God saw. I want to say to all the moms out there, there's a lot of work that you do that's hidden. I want to say, God sees today. Come on, when you feel invisible, when you feel overlooked, when you even feel discounted and discarded and even ignored, you've got to know this, that the eyes of the Lord roam right through the earth and He's looking to strengthen those hearts that are fully committed to Him. His eyes are roaming right now and he sees. Jacob loved Rachel, yes, but God loved Leah. And when the Lord saw Leah was not loved, what did he do? He opened her womb. God loved her and he knew that in that society, childbearing was the only way for a, a woman to achieve status and, and, and in her own community and in her family. Rachel was barren. Was God playing favorites? No, Rachel later on would get her turn. But what was God doing? God was declaring his love for Leah. 
Come, wherever there are gaps and deficiencies and inadequacies and needs in our lives, this is the place where God moves in with His love and His mercy. This is where He comes and fills. And whatever there's a lack in your life, whatever it may be this morning, God wants to move into that space. God wants to bring healing into that space. And what happens in this passage of Scripture is Leah gives birth to Reuben. We had a Reuben singing this morning, and Reuben simply means it's a boy. That's what the name means. Look, I got a son. And Leah knew right there she had been given a gift. She had been given a gift right there. She, this is a gift. So, so listen, verse 32. So Leah became pregnant, became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, the Lord has noticed my misery. But listen to this. And she says, and now... And now my husband will love me. Can you hear the pain? We know that children's not a cure for a lackluster marriage, number one. And how many marriages have suffered just because it's been all about the kids and then the kids leave home and couples are left and go, man, what have we got? I want to say, you're married here. The most secure environment you can provide for your kids is to love one another. I often say to my kids, I love Kathy more than I do you. Don't make me choose. Because I'll choose her every time. Yeah, that provides a security for our kids to grow, uh, grow up. And in. so many couples can make it all about the kids. But we don't realize that the love that we have for one another actually provides an environment for our kids to flourish. And here she thought, oh, well, I've got the son now, and now my husband, now my husband will love me. But what happens? Soon she becomes pregnant again. And she gave birth to another son, and she called him Simeon. We've got a Simeon here too. He's the brother of Reuben. <laughs> He's a Tongavalu. His parents are leading our church in Fiji. And so it's just by chance I'm preaching about these guys. But by the way, our church in Fiji is going from strength to strength. I was there last week, fifth week of gathering, and, and the room was packed. In fact, we started the service, packed room. And uh, as we're about to sing the first song, the power went off. That meant no air conditioning, no words, no lyrics. I said, Tico, you're singing. Let's bring in the power speaker. And so I love church planting, pioneering situations. And he, he sung a song and he goes, man, I don't know if I've got another song. They don't know all the words. I go, okay, I'm ready to preach. And I preached and a whole lot of people gave their hearts to Jesus and people connected. And yes, I'm thankful for electricity, but I'm thank, more thankful for the, the power of God. <laughs> They can move in any situation and any circumstance. But anyway, let's go back to the story. Because we've got Simeon here. Simeon here, it says, she named him Simeon for she said the Lord heard. So, so that's what Simeon means. It means to hear. Interesting, Simeon's doing sound today. Hopefully you can hear all right. Um, it means to hear. He heard. The Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. So, so for the first son, it's like God has seen. You've got to know God sees today what you're going through. He sees your challenges at work. 
He's not ignoring, he sees the pain in your heart. But the second son, it says, God has heard. Someone who hears. What's happening? Leah is having a growing awareness of God's presence. That's why they're having, oh, God sees. God sees what I'm going through. God's heard my heart's cry. He's heard me and he's understood. So she's got two children and she goes, oh, why stop there? In verse 34, and says, and so she became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son and he was named Levi. For she said, surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I've given him three sons. Look what I've done. You know, three sons, surely you'll appreciate me now. Surely. You know, so often we think, well, if I do this, then I'll be. A lot of us fall into that trap. And here Leah was saying, well, I've given him this, I've given him Now, surely now he'll appreciate me. Surely now he will love me. She gave birth to Levi, and Levi's name means cleave. She was wanting that from her husband to cleave to her. But maybe, just maybe, God was wanting her to cleave to him. And guess what happened? Guess what happened? She conceived again. Talk about quick succession. It's like, oh, here comes another one, just like the other. But I wanted you to take note because something shifts and something changes here. Something shifts and changes with this fourth son. And a lot of us are in this trap. Well, if I do this, then I'll be acceptive. If, if I do that, then God will hear me. If I, if I get into this moment, you know, if I just do this more, do more of what I'm doing, finally something will click and they'll realize. But God was trying to get to her and say, no, there's something more in me that you haven't discovered. So she conceives, and and I want you to take note of her response because her response changes. Take note right now of of her response change. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time, this time, I want to say this is perfect timing right here. This time, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Judah then she stopped having children. This time, this time is different for Leah. The bad timing caused a mess, but this was perfect timing because this time she didn't look at what can I do to win my husband's affection. This time she turned to God. Anytime you turn to God is the right timing. Oh, I need to get this sorted first. I need to, you know, so many people go, well, once I, I get this sorted, then I'll come to God. No, God wants to come into the middle of your mess. She realized, she finally came to the realization she couldn't change Jacob. She couldn't change the situation. It was a mess, but she could bring God into that situation. I want to say, whatever you're going through right now, whatever's in front of you, don't try and work it out by yourself. Don't ever think, well, if I do this, do that, then I'll get it all sorted. No, it only gets all sorted when you bring the creator of the universe right into the middle of your problem, right into the middle of your mess. Because let's face it, none of us can do it without Him. We all need Him. 
We need them in our families. We need them in our marriages. We need them in our parenting. We need them in our workplaces. And it's a myth to believe that we can do it without Him. See, it was in that moment she fully understood that she was loved by God. I want to say, you are loved by God. God loves you. And she understood in that moment, God is enough. Yes, it would be nice to have a husband who loves, but God fills the gaps, fills the lack. God is enough. His grace is enough. She discovered His love was enough. You can have a spouse, a house, a car, a career, children, but in the end, nothing will ever satisfy the longing of your heart until you discover that God is enough. And she named this son, she named him Judah. Judah. Judah means praise. And guess what God gave her? God gave Leah the garment of praise. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Come on, wherever you're feeling heavy, it's praise that actually brings the breakthrough. Come on, when you feel overlooked, down and out, you can praise God. God, I am loved by you. God, I'm your chosen son or daughter. God, I'm a prince. I'm a princess in your kingdom. God, I'm chosen by you. When things aren't working out the way they thought you would, you can say, God, you've got a plan for me that's better than I can see right now. And I'm going to put my trust and I'm going to put my hope in you alone. God, 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 I'm going to praise you. Come on, I really believe God deserves a big clap of praise. Come on, not a half-hearted clap of praise. He is enough. Because you've got to get this. This is big. Leah, who gets overlooked. But guess where Jesus comes from? He doesn't come from the lineage of Rachel. He comes from the tribe of Judah. And God chose Leah to give birth to royal seed. Come on, the praise the Lord, son. Judah was the beginning of something big, something massive. And right now you may feel overlooked, discarded, sick and invisible and left out. And you may be thinking, when I do this or when I make this money or when I graduate or when I have the house, then I'll be accepted, then I'll feel satisfied. But we've all got to come to a place where we go, no, here and now, here and now, I'm going to praise God. I'm standing today because of His love, because of His mercy. And I just want to say, you are enough. So many things in life, oh, you're not smart enough, pretty enough. You're plain, you're not good enough. Who are you to believe that? But in God, you're created the way you are, not by chance. You look the way you do because of design. And God had a purpose in mind when He designed you, He fashioned you. He's the master creator. I know there's some pretty amazing creativity in the world today, but the creativity of God supersedes anything we could ever know in this world. You just need to look at creation in itself and be in awe. And I want to say, you are enough. That lie in your head that tells you you're not and that you have to earn favor and that you have to earn love. Something that God wants to minister into today. You are enough. You have enough. You have enough right now to fulfill your dreams. If you've got God, you've got enough. You've got enough to live the life He's called you to.
You have enough to overcome past hurts, past failures and mistakes. Some of us were trapped because we're letting the, the failures of our past define us right here and now. I did this, I feel so guilty and ashamed. But I wanna say you have enough in Jesus to let those things in the past stay in the past. You have enough in Him. You have the power to overcome. You have the power to break through today. You have enough and it's found in Jesus. He gives you the strength that you need. It's it's too heavy. You can come to Him today and you can cast your cares on Him knowing that He cares for you. You are enough. You have enough. You gotta know that when it comes to it, God is more than enough. Our enoughness, if that's a word. <laughs> I don't think it is a word. Our enoughness is found in God. Some of us right now, we're in a position where we are, man, I just had enough. What have you had enough of? We actually, you're believing for breakthrough. We are believing for change. Because I love the fact that God comes alongside us and He leads us forward. Where we don't have to stay in the place we've been. The path of the righteous is like the first glimmer of dawn. The Bible says it gets brighter and brighter to the full light of day. You've just seen a glimmer of what God wants to release through your life, in your life. And something inside of us says we're wired for more. Come on, we serve Al Shaddai. That's one of the names of God. The God of more than enough. More than enough. He's more than enough. He's not just enough. He's more than enough. El Shaddai, not El Shaddai. God's eyes aren't shut to your problem. He sees, He hears, and He knows. And we can come to Him with an open heart and let Him fill every gap, every deficiency, every void in our life. Let's face it, we've all got them. The person says, oh, I'm all good. <laughs> no, you're not. You're just putting up a facade. We've all got gaps. Strength comes when we just actually acknowledge the gaps and say, God, come and fill those gaps. I need your love. God, I, I like the affirmation of people, but I want you to affirm me. Encouragement is good, but God, you're the only one can really edify my soul. I love the people in my world, but God, there's a love that goes beyond human love. And I want the stuff that you deal in. (laughs) I want the good stuff. The stuff of an unconditional kind. It's not there based on my behavior, my actions, and what I do. On where have you been? What have you done? God loves you. He loves you. For those who've been Christians a long time, you've heard that time and time again. But you've got to get it from here into here. Because it will change the way you live, change the way you breathe, change the way that you do everything. Because you're not doing it for affirmation, approval, or recognition. You're doing it from a place where your tank's already full. Your tank's already full. 
and there's a completeness that's found in him.